Thank you, ladies. What a beautiful song this morning. I hope you've learned to take it to Calvary. What a blessed assurance in that song this morning. So thank you for that. That was great. Well, we're finishing up this morning a five-week series that we have been doing over conquering the war in your mind. We have, I'm going to review a little bit, guys, if you can throw that slide up. The first thing we talked about several weeks ago was our situation. And what was our situation? That was the idea that we are definitely in a spiritual warfare, no doubt probably about a little bit this week. We looked at our mission, living a life that glorifies God, the execution of that mission. How do we carry that out? <clears throat> Admin and logistics, working out our plan, and if you were here for that Sunday, sometimes we get lost in the crowd a little bit. And uh, so today, as we finish up, we are talking about command and signal. And of course, this whole uh, series was based upon a military exercise and was given from a friend of mine that I've known for a number of years. And uh, command and signal was this, staying connected with Christ. That's what we're going to try to do today. And my first question is this this morning, is how are you at following commands or taking instructions? And I was sitting on the mower this week, and I think, how can I illustrate this with something that we're all familiar, familiar with? How many of you remember the old, well, I can't say old, I'm sure we still play it today, the child's game Simon what? Simon, let's, let's, let's play a little Simon Says this morning and see how well you do with it. I'll go slow. Some of you, it's been a while, okay, that we've done that. So if you remember how it went, Simon Says to touch your nose. I'm not going to do anything crazy, okay? Simon Says touch your ear. Simon Says touch your chin. Simon Says touch your neck. Touch your eye. Oh, pretty good, <laughs> pretty good. Not many people fell for it. So you remember those games. We had fun with them, and some of you probably still do it if you're a teacher somewhere, shape, or form. You remember what Simon says. But it's unfortunate that life is just not that easy, as Simon says, <laughs> okay? Find the book of Jonah. Simon says, find the book of Jonah this morning, okay? We're done with the game. It worked. You did pretty well at it. We're going to look at Jonah this morning. It's only four chapters. If it helps you any, it's between Obadiah and Micah. I don't know if that helps any or not, but that's where it's at. So uh, we're finishing up this morning. Uh, I have enjoyed prepping for the series. If you haven't enjoyed it, don't tell me. Just shake your head, okay? And so, but we're finishing up today. We're going to look at Jonah. Jonah had an issue with Simon. Couldn't follow directions too well. Very clear cut directions, as a matter of fact. If you look in Jonah, chapter number one, let's take a moment and let's read these verses that applies today about following instructions and trying to stay connected with Christ. Chapter number one, verse number one says this. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of, of Mattatai, saying, Arise. Now as you go through here, there's some direct commands given, number one, by God. And there's some commands as he gets on the boat that's given by man. So watch this. Verse number two. The Lord said, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Here's the second command for him. Cry against it. 
for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. We'll mention some directions here to mention in a minute. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, paid the fare thereof, went down into to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But here's the idea. You, you see the word but in number three and but in number four. Those are coordinating conjunctions that lead back to the previous idea. Jonah had an idea he was going to go, but the Lord had another idea too. It connected the ideas. It says, he sent out a great wind in the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. The mariners were afraid and cried every man to his God, cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea. Lighten. They wanted to get, get rid of some of this stuff. You know the story. Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he was out. He was asleep. So the shipmaster, so the Lord told him where to go. You got some hired hands, if you will, on the boat. Now you got a shipmaster that comes to, to Jonah, and he says to him, what, what are you doing? What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If it so be that God will think upon us and that we perish not. And they said, everyone to his fellow, come, let us cast lots. That's kind of how they did it. Let's pick here. So they cast lots, fell upon Jonah, and they said to him, Tell us, we pray, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation? What do you do? When comest thou? Where's your country? What people are thou? And notice what Jonah said. Jonah had an idea. He knew exactly what was going on. And he said to them, I am an Hebrew. He said, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the, he the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceeding afraid and said to him, What have you done? For the men knew that he had fled. Now they knew it because he had told them. They said to him, What shall we do unto thee that the sea may be common to us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said to them, He's not going down anymore. He said, Take me up. Cast me forth into the sea, so that I see it be common to you. For I know that for thy sake thy great tempest is upon you. Look, look, look down at verse number 15. So they took up Jonah. And cast him forth into the sea. And notice what happened immediately. The sea ceased from her raging. The men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. And the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. I know it sounds crazy. But he did. There was a preparation for Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. In just a couple verses in chapter number 2. Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Now the story's different. Now the Jonah's crying out. He cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, and had heard us my voice. And in verse number three, our last verse for the morning, for it has cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the flood compassed me about by my billows, and the waves passed over me. You know, Euphola, guest, if you're here this morning, maybe your first time, the same type of instructions that was given to Jonah, sometimes we get those clear-cut instructions in life too. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we get answers. Sometimes we get a wait. And that's where it's hard for us this morning. In almost every day of our lives, we, in, in some way, shape, or form, are running into an answer somewhere that we're making a decision about. We're getting an instruction. 
Last night we were on the way home. We was uh, uh, coming home from, from Statesville here, and uh, we had made a turn. I'd got some gas. And so I, I like trying new roads and new things, okay? And so we're on this, <laughs> we're on this little back road, and I, I hit the blinker. Elizabeth said, what are you doing? I said, I found a new way. She said, I don't care about your new way. <laughs> I just want to get home. <laughs> I said, trust me, trust me. It wasn't too bad. It was a pretty good little back road that I found. We're living, you know, we've only been here. Guys, we don't like instructions on directions when we go. We, it may take us a little bit longer, but it's the cool way to go. All right, we found some other way. Ladies, I asked my wife the other day, you want to go to Hobby Lobby? I don't know why I did that. I, I don't, that was against my own best judgment. I was halfway kidding. And I said, I really need to go to Sam's, okay? And she's like, you really want to go? I said, okay, if you go to Sam's, we'll do this. I figured out why you guys, you, you ladies like Hobby Lobby. There's not anything in Hobby Lobby right now that's not on sale. I mean, every, I saw yellow signs everywhere, and it's like your eye, I can just see your eyes get big. It's like, it's on sale. It's on sale. Why not buy it? I figured it out. It's a ploy. It's a good one. Your husband says, don't you buy anything from Hobby Lobby. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's wait a minute here. <laughs> we don't like instructions. Commands. Sometimes we have a hard time with them. Today, we're trying to learn how to stay connected with our Savior. Now get this. In a world where our mind is being assaulted with grief, with worry, with tragedy, unexpected situations, we can lose that connection very quickly. We become unplugged pretty quickly. We start to worry. As we look at Jonah this morning, let's see what he went through, and let's see what we can learn from the good and the bad from Jonah. Let's, let's pray and ask God to help us this morning. Father, we need your help this morning. I implore you, Lord, as we try to open your word and present it in a way, Lord, that people can be helped, Lord, and my prayer is that you would answer those prayers this morning of those people sitting in this congregation like only you can. You're the only one can, that can do that, Lord. A message can't do it from behind here. A person can't do it, Lord. It's absolutely, totally in your hands to do it. And I pray this morning through your word that you would give us some instructions on how to stay connected to you through the life of Jonah. In your name we do pray. Amen. Well, the first thing I see in this passage that was pretty clear about the life of Jonah, number one is this, that was Jonah's commission. Jonah had a pretty clear call. Sometimes the word commission, we use the word call for that. We use this in terminology, God gives us a call in our life, we're called to do this. Now, don't get me wrong, Jonah didn't do well with his call, but I believe everybody in this room, if you... If you have been saved and you're calling yourself a Christian, I believe you have a job to do. I believe in some way, shape, or form, God has given you a gift, a talent, a calling, if you will, and that calling is sure for you. And I think that's something that you need to explore. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But God gave some clear commands. In verse number two, he said, arise, and he said, go cry against it. He gave clear commands. Was that hard to understand? No. And we read this, and don't we give Jonah a hard time? Jonah, why didn't you? Jonah, we're the same way. We're the same way. We get our clear commands. We hesitate, and we hold off. 2 Timothy 2, verses 7 through 9, listen to this. 
For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but he thought partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Verse number 9 said this, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ, just Jesus before the world began. The calling's pretty clear. It's for his purpose, for his grace. Jonah had a commission. Now listen to me here. I think the easiest time to be sure of what God is calling you to do, wherever you're at, wherever you're working, whatever your ministry, is when everything is going good. It's the best time. You feel the strongest. You feel the most able. Kids are healthy. Plenty of money in the bank. You're getting along with the spouse. Everything's good. Cars in the garage. They all got less than 100000 I can drive them a little bit more. But our minds, they're in a good place. All is well. And then one of your kids fall and break their arm. Man, here we go back to the doctor. I hate insurance. I don't pay nothing. And here we go. Set back at work. You lose some hours. An unexpected death hits you like a ton of bricks. Breaks your heart. You don't know what to do. You just went to the tire shop. You spent $800 on a set of tires. You're driving home when your check engine light comes on. You're thinking, what in the world? And then what you do, you start asking yourself questions. God, did I go through the wrong door? (laughs) Was I supposed to stay here? I thought I was supposed to leave. And all of your decisions become a second guess. And your calling becomes unsure. There are a lot of things in this world that I know that we're not called to do. But I think there's a few things that we'll find out that God wants us to do. I'll never forget this. It's probably etched in my, my mind as one of those memorable moments. Is about 10 years ago. I was in a math class, and so all of our rooms there at the school had phones up on the wall. And call, pick up a kid, somebody's leaving, somebody's sick. And I'm in a math class of probably about 15, 16 students. The phone rings, so I go over to the wall and I pick up the phone. And the person on the line says, mentions a name. Are they in your room? Yes, they're in your room. All right, and, and it's one of those, you're getting ready to hear bad news. you got to fake what's getting ready to happen. And while I was on that phone call, the person told me that this kid's parents, excuse me, this student's grandparents, that they, live out, they lived out of town, they were in a tragic car accident. One had already passed away. The other one was not expected to make it. All right. And you know how you're not supposed to look at the person when somebody's telling you something? So I'm talking on the phone, and that's, I look at that student, and I was like, what in the world am I going to do? I hang up the phone. I go back to teaching just like I normally would. A few minutes later, over the intercom, they say, so-and-so, please come to the office. 
That's a call that I wish I would have not taken that morning. That was a tough one. You've had some of those calls. I wish I'd have missed that one. I wish I wouldn't have picked up the phone on that one. But let me tell you this. Just as bad as that news was, sometimes avoiding a call can be just as bad. It can be just as bad. You can pick it up and hear the bad news, or I'm sorry, I'm not even going to answer that. I'm not, Lord, I'm not even going to do that. Wish I'd take that call at a later time. Not, life's not good right now. And this is what we do. We like to step in and help God when we need to step back and let him take over. And we get in his way sometimes. I wrote this down. I had a thought. And I often, should I, say, should I say it like this? Because God inevitably knows what's going to happen. But I think we don't, and this is where we mess up. And I had this thought this week. Human intervention can upset divine calculation. We get in the way. Now look, God's going to have his way. He prepared a fish. God's going to have his way. But it may have been a little bit easier if we would have listened. Our mind could have maybe not jumped through so many hurdles if we would have just did it his way, done it his way. So what are some things that I think that God calls us to? Number one, under Jonah's commission, his call for us, I think God gives a clear command this morning for a call to family. The family is under attack today. Isn't it nice at Thanksgiving and, and Christmas to have all the family together? You get to, now I know that's different for some people. Okay, I get it. All right. But your, your, your kids are at home. You know, Zachary comes home here in about a week or two. I'm looking forward to that. All right, your kids are there. Listen to what, what the Word of God says, though. Exodus 20, 12, it's a clear command. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy giveth thee. Proverbs 22, 6 says this. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife. That shall be one flesh. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if any provide not for his own, and especially those of his own house, he hath denied the face and is worth it than an infidel. In the time in which we are under attack, God has a call. He wants us a call for our family. Listen to some of these quotes about the family. I thought these were pretty good. A couple good, a couple just being honest about family. So someone said this, having a family is having somewhere to, somewhere to go that's home. Having someone to love is family, but having both is a blessing. Someone said this, being a family means you're a part of something very wonderful. It means you will love and be loved for the rest of your life. And then here are a couple exceptions. Happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family in another city. <laughs> and then someone said this, families are like, are like fudge, mostly sweet with a few nuts. <laughs> Called a family. The family is an institution created and loved by God. Mom, dad, brother, sister. God wants you to make much of family this morning. It's a call to family. What about this? A call to service. We've talked about it. That's Jonah had a call. He's, he didn't do well with it. Romans 12.1 says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. Listen to this. Which is just your reasonable service. 
Jonah didn't do too well with the call. Arise, cry against it. How about you? How have you done with your call? You may say this. Coleman, I know exactly what you're, exactly what you're talking about. I go to sleep thinking about this. When anybody talks about it, I think about this. If any, I've even mentioned something that's on my heart to somebody else just to see how it would sound, me saying it out loud. Have you, has God impressed you this morning to do something? Give it to him. I, look, you remember, maybe you remember. I, I do, I remember this when I got saved. I was sitting in the chair and it's like, the first thing that you do when, when, when God is working and dealing with your heart, you're sitting in that chair and you hear the people and they're, they're uh, and then all of a sudden you get up and you, and you make your way. And it's that obeisance. It's that, God, I just gave you my heart. Maybe that's all you need to do this morning. Just give in. God, I know what I need to do. I'm going to give it to you. You know exactly what it is. He's impressed with you. It's a call to family. It's a call to service. What about this one? It's a call to love. There's a call to love this morning. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. We're thinking about the things that we're trying to conquer in our minds. Man, there, no one wants strife. No one wants envy. We have a call to love. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence... They were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? This is what the Lord says. Jesus said to him, That thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these commandments hang all the law and prophets. I asked Elizabeth this morning for invitation to play this great hymn. You probably remember it. The love of God. Remember that hymn? I'd sing it to you, but I won't. Listen to these words. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled. And pardon from his sin. And the chorus says this. O love of God. How rich and pure. How measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure. The saints and angels song. We need to love like Jesus don't we? There's some things that we have a call to. Jonah didn't do well. But how are we doing this morning? Well, that was Jonah's commission. Number two. I see Jonah's condition. Jonah was in a bad way, all right? If you notice, there's some directional words where Jonah's journey was getting him away from the sovereign will of God and his presence. It was a downward one. Look at this. Look in verse number 3. It says, Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa. Look at verse number 5. The mariners were afraid and cried every man to his God and cast forth the wares and were in the ship to lighten them. But Jonah was gone down. He was gone down to the sides of the ship. Look at verse number 17. Look at verse number 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. The fish was down in the water. It was getting deeper. It was, 
And then in chapter 2, verse number 3, it says, For thou hast cast me into the deep. There's a place in the ocean called the Marianas Trench. It's 36,000 feet deep. It's unreal. He was in the deep. So what's the moral of this story? Jonah, you can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> He's still going to find you. You got a call this morning. You're in some conditions. You can run. He's going to find you. He's going he's to make a way for you. So what led Jonah to where he was at? He was a runner. He fled. He was running from the person. He was running from the people that were trying to help him. Are you running this morning? Jonah's condition caused him to make some great or have some great decisions that he had to deal with. Maybe you're there this morning. Maybe you have a decision that you've run from for years it may be salvation. I don't know. You won't give in. I want you to watch in the story, and you know this as well as I do, when you may need to make a decision, what we do sometimes is we fleece God. Well, God, you make it rain this morning, and I'll do it. Okay? God, it's, I, you know what I'm talking about. You fleece him a little bit. I want you to notice what got in Jonah's way. Look at number one. A storm got in his way. Jonah's condition. He was in a storm. Not all storms are bad. Remember that. Not all storms are bad. James 1, verses 2 through 6 says this. My brethren, count it all joy. And I know that's tough. When you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing and it says this, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God and give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not shall be given him. Verse number six, but let him ask in faith, not wavering. And notice the illustration, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Jonah knew exactly what that verse was talking about there. A storm got in the way. And a lot of times we think storm's supposed to get us off track. Storm, may, storm might be to wake us up a little bit. What about this? I also saw in there... And verse number 12, or excuse me, as you go back to verse number 5, there were mariners, there were hired hands on the boat that got in Jonah's way, and there was a shipmaster. The shipmaster went to him and kicked him and said, Jonah, what in the world are you doing here? You ever been asked that question before? Why are you doing this? Why are you running? Why don't you give in? Influence, remember this goes both ways you can influence for good or you can influence for bad it goes both ways you got people that get in Jonah's way you got a storm you had some people you had mariners and a shipmaster and the biggest of all which is the most unbelievable thing all right a fish <laughs> a fish got in his way God put him in a submarine while he was still disobeying get this I love stuff like this a hundred foot sulfur bottom whale was recorded off the coast of Cape Cod in the 1930s its mouth was between 10 to 12 feet wide so big that it could easily have swallowed a horse these type of whales have four to six compartments in their stomachs any one of which could house a group of full-grown men 
The nasal cavity of this whale contains an enormous air storage chamber as well, often measuring seven feet high, seven feet wide, and 14 feet long. Jonah had a floating underwater apartment. Didn't smell too good, but it was probably pretty roomy. But isn't... Isn't it just like God, though, to prepare something for us, even when we're doing wrong? Isn't it just like him to prepare a a submarine to get in our way, to get in Jonah's way? Now, we don't use the fish today. We say this. It's the elephant in the room. I don't know where that come from. But you're supposed to do something. You say, we've got to talk about it. It's the elephant in the room. It's just like God. It may be family. I don't know. It may be work. It may be about one of your children. You want to get involved more here at Euphola? Whatever it is you've been running. Your conditions have been a little bit tough. Your mind's racing. Got to trust in him. Jonah had a commission. Jonah had some conditions. And as we finish up this morning, Jonah had a cry. Jonah had a cry. Look at verse 1 and 2 of chapter number 2. It says this. Jonah finally got to the point. He's like, okay, this apartment's getting a little bit stinky down here. It's getting a little bit wet. We've got to figure something out. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly. And he said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell cried. And thou heardest thy voice. When I read that, what I read about Jonah is I read a desperate man in a desperate situation. It was a cry for help. And I thought about three things that I found in Jonah's cry. In verse number nine, I found some fear. And that may be why you are waiting this morning. You may be afraid to make that decision. Did God, excuse me, did Jonah know who God was? He did. He knew what the answer was, he was just leaving. I also find this in Jonah's cry. I find, I find some affliction in his cry. Oftentimes, we think affliction is for our detriment. We think that a ride in the belly of a fish was punishment. God placing Jonah in a whale was not punishment to discipline, but a way of restoring him back to fellowship. It was unique. But it worked, didn't it? God prepared. And that's the last point. In Jonah's cry, I found fear. I found some affliction. But I also found a future. In Jonah's cry, I found a future. In verse number 17, God had this all. He had it figured out. Because in verse number 17, it says this. Now the Lord had, what did it say? Prepared. He had prepared a great fish to swallow. He knew what Jonah was going to do. He knows where you're at today. He's preparing. 
He's preparing. And I see a future. God had Jonah right where he wanted him. Right where he wanted him. Could it be this morning that God has you right here where he wants you? He has you in this service for a reason. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Thank you for listening. Does God have you here this morning because you're running from a call? You know what you need to do, but you'd rather be in the belly of that old stinky fish. (laughs) You'd rather be in the belly. You don't want to do it. The condition that you're in leaves you possibly making one of the biggest decisions in your life. You may be here this morning and it's time to cry out. You need to cry out to God because you need, maybe it's salvation this morning that you've been running from. Now listen to me. In order for you to get saved, you've got to realize one thing, that you're lost. Sometimes finding out that you're lost is realizing this, you're in desperate need of a Savior. Desperate need of a Savior. There'll be no accidental trips to heaven No missing turns, no going down wrong streets, no taking new shortcuts. I've heard somebody say it like this. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. The best news of the whole story today was this. In verse number two, this is what was said. I cried out by the reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. The Lord can hear you this morning. He knows all those things. Elizabeth's going to play the reverse of a song here. Just give you a minute. If you need to make your way and do some business with God, you need to pray. You can do it at your seat. You can do it up here at an altar. Does anybody this morning just raise your hand and say...